Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22, page 937 in the Blue Bible. Paying the imperial tax to Caesar. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to track him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. <clears throat> you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil ways, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked, Whose image is on this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Thanks be to God. Amen. So you can see from the screen, we're going to have a second reading there in a second, in a minute. Could I ask that we just knock off the, um, the air conditioning, Linda, on that side? Thank you. Thank you. Perhaps turn down some lights as well, thank you. Um, what I'm going to do is read this uh, passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and then we'll pray in the light of it. So it's 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10b at the top of the column. It's page 1081. Thank you, Mike, that's good. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows what a person's thoughts are, except that person's own spirit within. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So as we return to our series, Gifts for All, uh, let's pray. Lord, give us the understanding that comes from that which you've freely given us, your Holy Spirit. Give us spirit-taught words and perceptions and discernment. 
Thank you, Lord, that in Christ we have the mind of Christ. So would you share freely through Jesus the wisdom and the knowledge that we need today for your glory's sake. Amen. When I was praying this week, actually it wasn't, it wasn't in one of the morning shifts, it was a prayer point on Friday evening, I had a picture, I'll, share, I'll show you a representation of this picture um, in, in due course, but it was of a tree laden with gifts and you couldn't see what the gifts are, they were kind of brightly coloured and gold um, and I understood that um, as we were praying, as we're praying through the shift, one of the things we're doing is shaking the tree and as you shake the tree then the gifts um, drop to the ground. God is giving good gifts to us. Um, but that image of shaking a tree is quite interesting, isn't it? It's a positive thing in the way I've just shared that. But if you shake someone's tree, that can feel a bit negative, can't it? As if you're irritating them. And um, so I just want to reflect in a, in a general way on um, what we're doing in this series because we are shaking the tree and it requires a bit of grace and patience. Um, now, that picture there on screen is not meant to conjure up images of a pigeon dive-bombing a diary or anything like that. Uh, it's an image of the Spirit, the Word and the Spirit at play um, together. And I guess in this series, we're making that kind of journey, Word and Spirit, together. You may remember a couple of weeks ago, if I were here, I shared the aphorism, um, all word and no spirit, we dry up. Uh, all spirit, no word, we can blow up. Um, spirit and word together, what happens? We grow up. And I attributed that to um, a famous teacher called David Watson. Um, but at, at the end of that service, Diana, who's over there, came to me and said, I don't think it was David um, Watson. I think it was David Smith. Um, and she said, David Smith uh, is my spiritual dad. And he died yesterday, she said. And uh, David's funeral is not this week, but the week after up in York. And he was a, uh, a fine teacher when it came to the life of the Spirit. So that was rather nice in a way. Um, although I know Diana will miss him. So this isn't a spiritual milk, as Paul calls it early in 1 Corinthians. It's a journey into what he describes as the mind and the life of Christ. So that might shake your tree a bit. So I want to uh, invite you um, to show grace towards any preachers or speakers. If you feel like Andy Money on a, on a bad day um, and you want to give us that kind of face, um, then we invite you to reflect. Um, is this material challenging? Um, is it challenging in a good way because it's taking us further than before? or inviting a response? Um, or is it challenging because some aspect of the message is not quite right, slightly off target, we've got it wrong? Um, I often think you can't stand here and get it 100% right 100% of the time. But, but God gives us the gift of discernment in the body, doesn't he? Um, so maybe that's the case. Almost something might be right, but maybe it could have been put better or shouldn't have been put that way. Uh, and if so, please exercise grace uh, and pray 
for those who are preaching or teaching as well as for yourself. Uh, And this is why I said at the beginning of this series that what we would like is a light touch, an essential uh, playfulness about what we're doing as the Word and the Spirit are at play um, together. Um, Now, one image we've used is that spiritual gifts are gifts for the job. So if you're listening to this uh, on the internet, we've got a picture of uh, loads of different tools uh, on our screens. Um, Spiritual gifts are the gifts God gives, but the tools he gives for the job of building up the church and of making Christ known and God's love known in the world. And um, there's a whole different range of them. We're looking at a a focused number from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, in this series. Um, But they are power tools, so be careful. Um, Some of them feel more uh, supernatural, as it were, than others, um, but they all come from God. Uh, And just like some of those tools on there have to be used with great care, um, then so too with gifts of the Spirit. The care that we are to bring is the care that we have when we love each other and offer our gifts in love. Um, So we're not talking about a party bag here, um, but something substantial. Um, And they're given indeed so that we can do what Jesus does. Um, Actually, you know, they're not tools. They're not things that you can take away and keep. Um, They're not items they actually uh, represent the life of Christ uh, in us. And at this point, I think this has actually died. So move the screen on if you would. Thank you. Um, It's the life of Christ in us bubbling up when these gifts are exercised. It's actually Jesus doing his stuff. So we need to discern that, welcome it, uh, and respect it, don't we, and honour it. Um, when I was praying, um, I think it was yesterday, but it all blurs into one, at the early morning shift, and uh, Donald um, was there. He was just off. First he does an hour of prayer, then he does an hour of swimming. Sounds like a great life to me. (laughs) And uh, I just thought as we pray, it's like we're swimming, um, but then we notice alongside us, there's another more powerful swimmer coming quite close. And actually, there's a point where our strokes and his strokes become the same. And my experience so far of the shift is that our prayer has, as it were, been the prayer of Jesus welling up in us. It's as if we're swimming together in Christ. And I think that's a central dynamic of the Christian faith. And actually, it's what hap- that's what the gifts of the Spirit are about. It's him doing what he does. Um, so, our anchor passage is 1 Corinthians 12 and verse um, 4 onwards. Uh, I'm reading from verse 7 because we're looking at two gifts now. Um, and it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. So that's one. To another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. So there are two gifts there. The message of the word of wisdom, if you could move that on please. 
and we will come to the gift of the word of knowledge. So wisdom is a big deal uh, in Scripture. It's a big deal in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, wisdom comes to be personified. She, it seems to be this kind of living figure of wisdom. So in Christ, that personification is complete. Jesus is the wisdom of God walking about on earth. He is God's wisdom. So Paul, when he begins this letter, talks about wisdom. He says, Jews demand signs. So they're looking for the power of God, maybe through miracles and signs. He says, but don't forget we're in Greece here in Corinth. He says, Greeks look for wisdom. Sophia, they're philosophers. They're looking for wisdom. But he says, but we preach Christ crucified. So let's just drop human ideas of wisdom, uh, wise sayings, aphorisms, the kind of stuff you get in the Reader's Digest. This is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God cuts right into a situation and brings incredible light. So, Mike, if you just show the next image on screen, it's rather like this. We're in a situation like that, and then through a brother or sister or uh, something that happens or scripture or miracles can happen. It could even be a sermon. Then what happens is this. And the word of wisdom brings incredible light so that you go, yes, that's from God. That is from the Lord. Or I believe it may be from the Lord. I need to stay with that and test it and discern whether it is from him, but it feels like it could be because it changes stuff. And it's then that you can speak of the spiritual gift of the word of wisdom. So, you could see this operating a bit in the Old Testament. The classic example um, involved King Solomon and two whores. Do you know this story from 1 Kings 3? Probably a better title would be Solomon orders a DNA test. <laughs> now, King Solomon was the wise king. When he was, became the king, he prayed to God, not for riches and wealth, but for a discerning heart, in other words, for wisdom. And God answered his prayer. He was pleased, God is pleased to answer a prayer like that. And he said to Solomon, because you didn't ask for wealth, I'm going to bless you with all the wisdom that you need and with wealth as well, because I can. And um, so in this story, there are two prostitutes in the same house. They're both pregnant and one has a baby and then the other has a baby. And um, they go to sleep one night, but one of the women rolls onto her baby and suffocates it. It's a cot death. She's rolled on her baby. And so she gets up and sees this to her horror. So what she does, she gets her baby and she takes it to the other woman and places the dead baby at her breast and removes her live baby and takes that one to be 
her own. It's kind of the ultimate nightmare, isn't it, from the days before we went to hospital and had those bands put on our wrists the moment we popped out. And, of course, so they, the, the woman wakes up. She look, she's horrified, but she thinks, this isn't my baby. This isn't mine. That's her baby. And so she says, this baby's mine. The dead baby's yours. And the other one says, no, 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 you've got it wrong. The dead baby's yours. This one is mine. And the row goes on to the extent then that they appear before the, the judge of Israel, who is King Solomon. And they rehearse this painful story in front of him. And he hears them arguing with each other. And so there comes a point where Solomon simply says, well, bring me a sword. Cut that baby, that live baby in half. Give half to her and give half to her and that will sort them out. And at that point, the mother of this live baby is moved with compassion for her baby and says, no, 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 don't give the baby to her. Let her have the baby. But she says, no, 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 I've had enough of this. Cut the baby in half, we'll have half each. And at that point, Solomon simply says, take the baby and give it to her because she loves that baby. It is her child. And that's an amazing story, isn't it? And it's the wisdom of God for that situation. So, of course, this sharpens to a really sharp point in wisdom himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. And regularly, he will be confronted by angry people or hurting people, and he will speak such an apt, such a, a clarifying, definitive word that they are absolutely amazed by what he says. It's the gift of the word of wisdom in action. So the story that Janice um, told us from Matthew's Gospel, um, chapter 22, is it right to pay poll tax to Caesar, the Pharisees asked, trying to impale him on the horns of a dilemma in public. That's what they're trying to do. If he says, yes, pay it to Caesar, they can go, well, you're not on the side of us Jews, are you? But if he says, no, it's wrong to do that, they can out him to the Romans. He'll be arrested. Whose image is on this coin? Caesar's. Well, give to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar and to God that which belongs to God. It's perfect, isn't it? It's the gift of a word of wisdom. Well, that time that they brought that poor lady who had been caught in the act of adultery, she'd been set up. It's the same dynamic at word. They want to trap Jesus. Oh, our law, the law of Moses says we should stone somebody like this. And again, they're trying to uh, put him in a corner. Either he agrees with the law and he's seen to be hard-hearted and he loses the support of the people. Or if he doesn't, then he's a lawbreaker. And he just bends down and doodles in the sand while they wait and straightens his back and delivers an amazing word of wisdom. Let whoever is without sin cast the first stone. 
And you can imagine, can't you, this word hitting them. It's a word from God. And starting with the eldest, they left one by one, leaving him alone with the woman. And Jesus is able to speak godly words of wisdom over her. Is no one left to condemn you? Well, then you can go, can't you? Just don't sin again. So listen for godly words of wisdom. Look for that moment when you know that you need a word from the Lord. We all have those moments, don't we? We all face dilemmas. We all get stuck. We all don't know what to do. We have choices to make. And we're not sure. And in those moments as God's people, we can know that God will speak to us. We need to open our hearts and ears and listen for godly words of wisdom and wait. Be that person. And if you're in a situation where you're speaking with someone or you're in a gathering like this and you have an urge to offer them a word, an insight maybe, something which seems appropriate, um, look for that moment There may well be a word being offered to you so that you can speak it out in love, gently, gently. Because God gives us good gifts. Be that person. Does that make sense so far? Yeah? You kind of get the difference between human wisdom and and this gift from God. And then the second gift for this morning is the gift of the word of knowledge. To one is given a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. Now Jesus has all the wisdom to share because he is wisdom. He has all the knowledge because of God's perfect knowledge and love. Like in Psalm 139, the psalm that speaks about how God knows all about us even before we were formed in the womb. And again, for these people in Corinth, knowledge was a big deal. Wisdom, Sophia, and knowledge, Gnosis. They had to be careful about that because they were, they, there was something in them that wanted kind of Um, privileged or slightly esoteric knowledge. It was there in the background pagan culture. They kind of expected a God who would reveal knowledge in levels or stages that um, if you got kind of experienced or were specially privileged, you could penetrate the next level and the next level. It's not like that with God. He speaks in Christ, one level, definitively for all. So they had to be careful about that. So Paul teaches about this gift. And there are two handles on this gift. Um, First of all, I think it has to be said, when we talk about the word of knowledge, the primary reference of that, the primary means that that gift is given is actually through Scripture. Because Jesus, the living word, is the one in whom all of God's knowledge Rests. And that's primarily witnessed to, isn't it, and disclosed through Scripture. So if we want to hear or receive a word of knowledge, it will come primarily through Scripture for us. We just need to keep that, to keep um, 
in balance. We call this the logos. Jesus is that logos, the word of the first chapter of John's gospel. But then God's word comes to us through the Spirit in a myriad, multiple different ways, and sometimes very sharp and very personal ways. The main way to think about this is through the gift of prophecy, which we will come to in due course. The scripture word that goes with that meaning word is not logos, but rhema. The rhema is the word of God for us now and in the moment. It's always subject to the the written word, the logos. That's the safety net. That's how we discern whether this might be from God. But this is important because the particular focus of the word of knowledge, a particular expression of this, is when God gives to one person knowledge or insight to do with another person or another situation. And crucially, always with the intention of blessing and helping that person, even if it's through calling them to godly, wholesome repentance, it's with the intention of blessing and setting that person free. Because we get stuck in our lives. And when we get stuck, because we're stuck, we need God to help us, don't we, from the outside. So the effect of a word of knowledge is like this image on screen. So if you're just listening to this, it's of what surfers call, I think they call it a tube. It's like a tunnel of water, um, the perfect wave arching over. And in this image, we can see right through that tube to a glorious sunrise and a lovely looking beach that the photographer has caught through the tube. The word of knowledge is like that because it opens up a new vista, a new reality which sets people free and gets us unstuck. Okay, so Jesus meets a woman at a well in Samaria in the heat of noon. And part of her, no doubt doubt already, his intuition may be kind of human intuition that that the Holy Spirit can sensitize. He's thinking, why is she here in the heat of the day? Nobody comes for water in the heat of the day. It's far too hot. You go in the morning or the evening. So what is it with her? She can't be around the other women. But he wants to bless her with the water of eternal life. So he enters into conversation. And there comes a point in that conversation, doesn't there, where he goes, um, go and get your husband and come back then. And there's silence, I imagine, because she knows something is happening. She knows she's being addressed, and it's personal. I, I, I don't have a husband, she says. This is the word of knowledge. He says, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're with now, he isn't your husband. 
And that's a word of knowledge. And that's quite scary, isn't it? That's a word that cuts right into her situation and opens up a new vista, but getting there, that feels scary. Do you see why words that are anything like this have to be handled with grace and love and gentleness and the intention to build up and set free? And what that word does and what a word of knowledge characteristically does is to catapult that conversation or situation into a new place. It's now, instead of them playing around, it's a deeply spiritual and personal conversation. Because Jesus wants to bring life. And that woman is stuck. She's not living. She's carrying a terrible burden of shame. He sets her free. Now, there are many examples of this gift um, working today. It can be quite playful. Sometimes God will give us an impression or a word about somebody, and if we are able to engage and carry that through, uh, we too may be blessed with that kind of spiritual conversation with them. Teresia is an old, illiterate woman in Tanzania. She um, was part of a course called Rooted in Jesus, which is a course that equips Christians um, to teach discipleship, to model discipleship. Teresia was prayed for, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and she received the Spirit. In her case, she received the gift of tongues there and then. So she goes to church the next day and she does something which you wouldn't expect an illiterate woman to do in Tanzania. She stands up and she says, I believe there's somebody here with a pain in their abdomen, in their tummy. I want to pray for that person. And there is somebody there with such a pain and she has been bleeding 14, 21 days per month. And so Derisia, this old, broken woman, prays, and that lady's healed. So that's a word of knowledge which leads to an encounter, which triggers another gift, the gift of healing, and somebody's set free. So all of these gifts are not kind of toys, they're not games. They lead to something, to an encounter with God, to healing, to salvation. They're precious in that sense because they cut through our superficialities and address the individual. So at this time, as we pray for these gifts and explore them, if you've got that final image, it is like shaking the tree tree laden with good gifts, and as we pray and reflect, they fall upon us. So we should pray for the gifts of the Spirit. We should use them only with love and gentleness. When they come to us, we should welcome them and receive them and then offer them for the sake of others. We should receive them when they are offered to us for our sake. 
We should learn to use them not just when we're here or in our small group, which is the ideal place just to sit before God and wait and see what he does, but also out in the world. We're shaking the tree. We need to learn to wait and then respond out of our spirits, our perceptions, our hunches, and see what God does. I'm going to pray for us now as a whole church and pray that this morning we will continue to receive some of these good gifts to God's glory. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand and know what God has freely given us. Uh, Scatter your good gifts upon us this morning afresh, dear Lord, as we continue to worship you May some of these gifts fall into our laps and our hands. Prompt us to share them where appropriate. Bless us, Lord. Bless us indeed, that we may may be a blessing for your church and for your world. In Jesus' name, amen.